Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter, please, at Braden Gall. And my name is Jeremy K. Gover, and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Gover Time. I'm going to miss doing that, Braden. <laughs> well, uh, you may not be done with me yet, just just yet, Gover. Oh. We've got some we've got some developing news <laughs> later on in the in the pod. Bre- breaking news to the co-host, even. All right, <laughs> right, I, right. I'm down for this. Right, exactly. Um, so, big show planned today, of course, for you. A, a, obligatory Forsberg talk uh, warning later on in the show. Uh, obviously, four massive games for the Nashville Predators coming up. Over the course of the next week, three in four days, Anaheim, St. Louis, Minnesota, two in the division, Pittsburgh next Tuesday. So a huge weekend as we head into the trade deadline coming up in two weeks. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. What the hell's going on with the KHL-NHL relationship and how does that affect the Preds? We'll even touch on that a little bit. Um, we've got some scheduling in the Central Division and in the Western Conference that has evened itself out. So that's really good news. Obviously, the two big wins since we last spoke to you, the explosion against San Jose and Dallas. What did we learn in those two games? What does it mean moving forward? Uh, and all the, the the records and and the we got some gloating to do, Gover, uh, on the we show. Do. Because we, do. we were a little ahead of the curve on this, and this is why you listen to the show, of course. Um, but we're going to start with Ben Harper, as every good National Predators podcast will this week. <laughs> So we'll, so we'll do that in just a second. Uh, poor Ben Harper. Um, make sure you check out the YouTube page, rate, review, subscribe, share the product, share the show, check out all the other great shows. You got Club and Country with a brand new sponsor. Um, you got the 440, you got Fringe Element, SEC Football, Football and Other F-Words, all the great shows from Broadway Sports Media as well. So make sure you're checking out all that stuff uh, at 440 Media on Instagram um, and uh, at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook. So make sure you're following all the accounts, smash all the buttons that we ask you to, to smash and and we really, really appreciate all that support. Of course, the gold standard brought to you by Jeremy Gover, the wonderful folks at Jaspers. Nice. I think it gets better every time. I really I try I really... to deliver it different every time. So it's not people know it's not like a voice track, you know, like they, like it's yep. this is not pre-recorded. Like I try to I do try to give it a different flavor every time. And, and Jaspers, you sort of know all the, the things you need to know about Jaspers at this point. Obviously, the great happy hour specials for Predators games, home and road, $3 beers, $10 smash burger, free parking. You know all that stuff. You know that Deb Paquette is the chef. You know that Four Hot Top. But most importantly, Four Top Hospitality, a locally owned, locally managed and run company that is based in Nashville, just like 440 Sports. We are proud to always be partnering with um, both not just musicians and co-hosts like yourself, Gover, um, but our, our business partners are all of Nashville by Nashville and for Nashville. So make sure you're checking out Jasper's and for top hospitality. Um, so we really appreciate their support and they appreciate your support. So go to Jasper's everybody as every podcast should Jeremy, it should start with number 17 in gold. Ben of Harper. Course. We on this show have been, and in, and in our personal lives, just talking to each other have been very hard on Ben Harper. And I'm not, I'm not changing. I'm not going to stop saying that Ben Harper maybe didn't deserve to play in the stadium series game. Tongue in cheek, of course. But he did deliver a monstrous blow to Glenn Denning against the boards at the end of the Dallas game when that game got absolutely insane in the last seven minutes. And dude just flattened a Dallas star. And I just thought, you know what? When Ben Harper does something well, we need to lead the podcast with it. So congratulations, Ben Harper. You, you are the lead on our show today. We need some royalty music, like some walk-up <laughs> award music. Uh, the, it, it, let me tell you, as I said on Twitter, and I stand by this, anytime a guy goes horizontal, it's damn good TV, okay? Yes. And that's exactly what Harper just railroaded Glenn Denning, and he did so in such a way that when Glenn Denning fell, his skates came up, and for a brief second, he was parallel to the ice. And so uh, I, I, it was... I, I exclaimed out loud on my couch, which for those who know me is not exactly rare, but to the point where I was, I interrupted my son talking about something about school. And I, was like, just, <laughs> I could not help myself. It was that awesome. So yes, props to you, Ben Harper, for having this mention of your name being in a positive light. It's been, see, it's been wonderful. See, we're not complete monsters, Gover. Okay? Credit where it's due. Credit yes. where it's due. <laughs> yes. We're not total monsters on the show. Congratulations to Ben Harper. Now let's get back to gloating about ourselves. Um, <laughs> all right. So we, we were talking about this last week on the show. I think we mentioned a lot of the record chasing. And I think this is going to be a fun part of the final 26 games for Predators fans, regardless of what happens in the postseason or with Philip Forsberg or, you know, obviously this, this, this chase for a playoff spot. But the record chasing as a fan 
is a lot of fun. And to have them all be taking place at one time and for and for everyone sort of around the, the Predators media to start writing and tweeting and talking about it a week after we talked about it last week on the show, which is that Roman Yossi's chasing down not only Paul Correa's total points record, but also his assist record. Then he went and had four assists uh, against San Jose. Philip Tomasino, by the way, with three dimes in that game. Um, Matt Duchesne with two goals. So we talked about last week, Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg are chasing down Victor Arvidsson's record. And both of them could break that record in the same season, which is a ton of fun to track. Matt Duchesne has also got the potential to be at a point per game and get over 80 points this year. Mikhail Granlin, we said last week, could get to 50 assists, which is just four shy of Paul Correa's uh, single season Predators record. So there's a lot of record chasing going on. And then the explosion happened on Saturday. We talked about it, and then everybody else started talking about it. So we were ahead of the curve. So we thought we'd be ahead of the curve again here and talk about a few other things. Roman Yossi could also break Patrick Hornquist's single-season shot record at 275. Um, Tanner Janot, this is a modern record since the, since the basically since the, the strike in, what, 04? That Tanner yeah. Janot, as a rookie, we already talked about him, passing rattle off and potentially chasing down Forsberg's rookie goal scoring record, but he's also going to probably break the single season predators hits record. He's got 188. The records is two eleven by Shea Weber, at least the modern record. And so that's probably going to get broken as well. So I just want to continue to be ahead of the curve here on the show, uh, Jeremy. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I will also say that the modern hits record, the, or the, well, in that particular example, the modern hits record is very important for context because you know, guys like Patrick Cote, Scott Walker, that just racked up penalty minutes and played that physical force for the Preds back in the expansion years, right? They easily could have gotten over, well, not easily, but they, they brought, they, it's within reason that they could have got over 300. But we just don't know that because the league didn't keep the official stat until, yeah, I think you're right, 04, 05, or maybe it was 05, 06. But either way, 05, 06. But uh, I am fascinated by the shots record because Ooh. you brought up because – for, I mean, it, it, the fact that Yossi is one shy, was one shy of Patrick Hornfist one year and didn't quite get it. In two extra games, by the way. So Hornfist technically would be still the record keeper, even if he got it. Uh, uh, the fact that he is now on, a defenseman is on, is, is, is on track to do that is just amazing. And then again, we talked about the points record last week, and I want to bring that up again because it's, I think if it was Forsberg or even Duchesne, I don't think I'd be as, I'd be like, okay, obviously it's impressive. I mean, you know, but Yossi from the blue line with 60 points with this many games to go is pretty spectacular. And for him, again, a defenseman to flirt with, not in a Norris Trophy necessarily year either, for him to flirt with Paul Correa's franchise record of points in a season is just bonkers to me. And so I, I love the fact that we talked about this, Braden. I love the fact that. People all of a sudden were like, oh, one thing we have not talked about this season is the Yossi could break. Yeah, no, we did talk about that, actually. So either one, you don't listen to the show, which is shame on you. Or two, you do listen to the show and then try to pass it off as your own and shame on you anyway. Whoa, this whoa, is, whoa. This is the knowledge. The, I, the K stands for knowledge. <laughs> we on this show have talked about this and we're going to continue to talk about it because everyone needs to be Man. educated. It's up to it's up to them to listen or not. Take that, Michael Gallagher. It's all your fault, buddy. <laughs> oh, I wasn't even talking about Gallagher, actually. Gallagher. No, Alec he, he, Alec, Alex Daughtry yes. as well. Take that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Shout shout outs to two wonderful guys. No, I, I I love I love I love both those guys. That's why I'm having fun with them. But I, I did yeah, think it was, you're right. It was interesting that like all of a sudden after one game, people are like, wait a second, look at all these records. And, that yeah, could be and it was again, it was how they phrased it. It's like, oh, you know, one thing we haven't talked about. Like, well, actually, we have. Well, to be, to be fair, they both have their own Predators podcast, which are wonderful, by the way. Um, they, are. they are. Just make sure when you review them, give them four stars. That's all. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> give us the five stars. Here's the other that thing. Extra star, that extra star is for being ahead of the curve. Yes, exactly. Uh, Forsberg's goals per game, 0.63. That is currently a Nashville Predators single-season record. Roman Yossi at 0.83 assists would be ahead of himself because his the previous per-game record in a season was 0.71 by Roman Yossi. That was two Ooh. years ago. So obviously Yossi this year at 0.83 is way ahead of Korea's pace, which was 0.66 uh, back in 05-06. And then Roman Yossi's points per game and Philip Forsberg both at 1.11 for Yossi and 1.07 are both ahead of Steve Sullivan's 1.05 
in 07, and then Paul Correa's actual record of 85 points, which was 1.04 per game. So the pace is also is already a record as it stands currently. We'll just keep an eye on these other ones. Tanner Janot is a rookie breaking the hits record, the shots record, uh, and the points record. And I, I do agree with you that, that, that like we love Victor Arvidsson. Everybody should love Victor Arvidsson. There's no reason not to yes, love Victor absolutely. Arvidsson. Yeah. And to him, for him to have the goal record is pretty cool. But I agree that things feel right for Roman Yossi to have the assists record, the shots record, the points record, and then all the career totals as well. It feels like that's the like all is right in the Predators universe if Roman Yossi has all these records. And frankly, if Philip Forsberg breaks Arvidsson's record, that also feels appropriate as well, considering he's probably the most talented pure goal scorer the franchise has ever had. So it, 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 it feels right, if that makes sense. I think it does make sense. And I think, uh, you know, uh, Arvidsson's record of 34, you know, and Forsberg's got, you know, a few more to go, obviously. But right now, honestly, I'll be, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't more paying attention to, and I know we'll get into this later, so I promise we're not going to get into this rant. But just if Forsberg leaves under any circumstances, uh, I'll leave it at that. He's <laughs> right now, he's five goals away from David Leguan, tying David Leguan for the most oh. goals of all, all time, the president's jersey. And he's six, of course, away, basic math, that to, to overtake him, okay? He's got roughly two weeks to do it. And so I almost haven't even thought about the Arvidsson record because I'm so worried about this one, right? <laughs> right? So, no, that's true. That's so true. It's, it's a weird kind of thing. But, yeah. but that does go to show you, though, that everything you're saying is right. Like, we're in a very interesting window of time in the Nashville Predators franchise where all these records are in jeopardy. They're all fun. There's nothing that's going to, you know, there's no groundbreaking record here. Like, you know, somebody's going to, Surpass Gretzky's 245 points to whatever he had that one year. I mean, you know, nobody's the records right, not right, like right. that. Right, they're definitely touchable records, but it's funny how there's so many of them to right. keep track of. And that listen, whatever happens with Forsberg, whatever happens with the deadline, whatever happens in the playoffs, or whether they even get to the playoffs, all of that is really important. But let's add to it the fact that they're chasing like 11 major records, both career and single season and that to me is going to make for a really fun next two months it, wh whatever happens wh whatever ha by the way UC Saros has won 27 games I believe this season he's yes. just a couple away from being into the top 10 so like there's a really good chance that he's going to get into that top five 34 wins by Thomas Vokun is number five all-time single season so there's a good chance that if he just wins six or seven more games which is very possible that Saros will get into that top five single season win total of all time for the Nashville Predators. And he started, I think, 47 games. And that's 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 creeping up on top 10 status as well. So because his usage rate is so high this year and, and we fully expect that to continue. So um, it, there's a lot to, to keep an eye on uh, when it comes to the Nashville Predators. So let's get to that chase for the playoffs because they go eight to nothing. And I don't I don't know where. Matt Luff and Michael McCarron came from. They had three goals going into <laughs> they had three goals going into that game. They scored four in that game against San Jose. Sometimes in hockey, Gover, because this was the all-time talk about records. This was the mm -hmm. largest margin of victory for a road game in Predators history. Right. There's not a whole lot to be said. Matt Duchesne is hot. He scores twice. Tomasino, three helpers. Romeosi four. Luff and McCarron score more goals in one game than they had the entire season. So I don't really know what you say about the game from an analysis standpoint, other than it felt like a get right moment for this franchise. And if we, if this team goes on a run into the deadline and writes the ship, so to speak, they're now four and two in their last six, eight, six and one in their last 15, still not a great last 20, but things start are starting to feel a little bit more stable and they've worked the kinks out a little bit. I think you look back on that eight, nothing performance and say they sort of shook it loose a little bit in that game. No, I think you're right. And before anybody is like, oh, you know, well, of course those stars are going to have some points in a game that's 8 nothing. I direct you to the 10-7 to loss from the Toronto Maple Leafs where John <laughs> Tavares had zero points. So it's not a given, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that the stars are going to have points like that. But I, what I will say about that, though, Braden, is we've talked about this before on previous shows, is that the, the depth scoring, the kind of role players have lacked compared to other seasons now. Uh, for the Preds, this year, where it was the stars truly carrying the team, which, of course, you need, right? Duchesne, Johansson, Forsberg, all those guys who should, Granlin, who should be carrying the team are, and that's great. But one of the kind of, I don't know, the feather in the Preds' cap over the last six, seven years is that the role players, third and fourth line guys, chip in, and that, that causes a threat for the opponents. And we saw that against San Jose, 
And we've seen that glimpses of that throughout the season. But it's nice in this game specifically for them to get the spotlight, for them to get, you know, rack up the points, do a lot of really good things, kind of get that confidence going. But, you know, I, I just think that the, the Sharks game, eight nothing is an anomaly. But I will also say that it was good to see it all come together. And it was right after, right on the heels of that bad loss to Seattle. And I guess yeah. the guys had like a, almost like a come to Jesus meeting after that Seattle game. And not only did they do what they should have done, but they went out and steamrolled the San Jose Sharks, ate nothing in their own building. And then they follow it up. They could have been like, oh, hey, look at, all right, we're back on track. But instead, they come out against Dallas, fight from a one nothing. Tra- they're trailing one nothing in the third period, and they come back to win the game in regulation, yeah. which is a big, big thing yeah, as yeah. far as the overall standings go. So I, I, I like the direction. I like the direction right now, and it is nice to see that those kind of role players get their due. I think Philip Tomasino is settling in really nicely. He's gonna have. He's yes. gonna end up. He's gonna end up with maybe almost you know almost thirty points as a rookie, which as a twenty year old, which is really impressive. Um, I think you could get a little bit more out of Tolvanen from a scoring standpoint, but that's sort of what we've been asking of him all around. But I agree with when you go Trennan. I mean, Granlin's only got nine goals. He's gonna get to double digits. We've talked about Tanner Janot at nauseum, and I think. Before I want to move on to the Stars win because I think how they won was so critical and because it's a division game and because Dallas is physically, literally, they, they flip-flop because of the outcome. I, I, I want to remember how they deployed the lines in the final seven minutes of that game. I thought was really interesting where they were going yes. superstar back to herd, back to superstar, back to herd. And I can it feels like throwing body blows while a team is on their heels. Hey, we're going to throw the herd line out there at you after Forsberg and Johansson just kept the puck in the zone for a minute and a half. Now we're going to throw the herd at you. Then we're gonna, then we're going to come back with with Granlin and Duchesne. Then we're going to come back with the herd. And and I like how that's being deployed, especially against a team like Dallas. But I want to point out one more thing about the San Jose game. Are San Jose fans insane? Like, do we just not know? <laughs> do we just not know? Like, do, does the rest of the hockey world just not know that San Jose people like to fight in the stands? Like, did you see so that video I, of the of the Preds yeah, oh, yes. getting like in yeah, a fight? Sure. Like, what's that about? For sure. So I don't know if you remember this or not, but I'm actually from the San Francisco Bay Area. So I grew up a Sharks fan uh, from the, from its inception. Okay, I was I was around. I went to the first ever game, all that stuff. So I grew up watching the Sharks, and I will say that I don't ever recall as many of the games as I went to. I don't ever recall a physical altercation in the stands that I noticed. That I would like to think, especially my younger years, I would have noticed. So. <laughs> I, so I don't know if it was just a perfect storm of the Sharks finally suck and they got beat by and they got they're getting beat eight nothing by the Preds who didn't have a whole lot of you know hype coming into the season and that's all the San Jose cares about you know, you know the fan base to pay attention to is that you know the expectations right and right. so it was just kind of a perfect storm but uh, but no I, I I would say that it, it is a rough area the Bay Area is not exactly you know child's play you know, they'll they'll bring it but I will also say in fairness that I don't ever recall seeing a physical altercation. At a Sharks game. That was in a, my many, I probably, I don't know, what was it 40, like, 50 games I've seen in person. Was it like one versus eight? Like, what is that crap? Like, come on with that. I know. Jose. I that's, know. That's, that's, that's almost as bad as the score of the game. And that's, same, and that's why Jose. I think, and that's kind of why I gravitate towards maybe it's just the perfect storm of, okay, yeah, this yeah. team is finally, the acceptance that, oh, that's right, we're terrible now. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. and then I ate nothing beat down on top of that. I just think it's all, you know. So let's let's get to Dallas because this team, the Predators team, um, we'll get to sort of the schedule coming up, Forsberg and and um, a bunch of other stuff after the break. But I want to wrap up the first half of the show today with 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 some some more thoughts on an individual game than maybe we normally would because of how big it was. And to for, first of all, it's the first time all season that the Predators took a nothing nothing game into the third period, which is I think is indicative of how these two teams play. They've played all four of their games now. Nashville wins three to one. Uh, the season series, which is important. Obviously, they jump them in the standings, mm-hmm. and but 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 they it, there, there's a lot here. So I want to first of all, I just objectively enjoy Dallas Nashville games. I know not all fans may love that style. And that's a that's a far cry from years past, my friend. Right. Well, and, and again, if you're a diehard Predators fan, I can see how you'd be like, "What the hell are you talking about, Braden? Like, <laughs> we don't. They've beaten us. We don't like them at all. They they're, they're, they're low scoring physical games. I just objectively can step away from Pr- Nashville and Predators fandom and say, mm-hmm. I just enjoy watching these two compete. There, there's just a lot of energy in the game when these two play each other. A lot of animosity. It was physical all game. Um, I, I am curious what you think about, I, we'll, we'll get to the comeback cause it was critical, but mm-hmm. I am interested. Like 
they were up one nothing going into the second period against Dallas two weeks ago on Pecorine night. They give up a goal like in the first 30 seconds of the second period to, to tie the game. I think they gave up a goal in the first 30 seconds of the second period against Tampa Bay outdoors to tie mm-hmm. that game up. They give up a goal in the first 25 seconds against Dallas in the third period. So that's three games in the last week and a half that they, and I didn't check Seattle, but I, that they've given up a goal coming right out of intermission. Do you make anything of that in terms of focus, defense, adjustments, anything at all, or is that just random occurrence the last couple of weeks? Well, I was trying to scramble and find the Seattle box score, but I can't find it just yet. Uh, so I'll, I'll have, I'll put that as your homework. Uh, I will say that there's gotta be something to that, right? I mean, there's, I mean, you're a, you're an analytics guy. You know that a lot of it is pattern based, right? right? So that's, that's kind of what causes questions and like, Hey, how, how do we, how do we handle this? And, and all that, you know, what, 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 what can we make of these seven unique things that happened all on the same night? Is there something right, to that? Right. And so <clears throat> I would say that there is something to it. Uh, I don't know what that is, but I would say that hopefully it's not coaching uh, or either too much excitement or not enough. Um, when, you know, for the Preds at the, at the start of periods or whatever it is, but uh, I, how I, is I do that think not, how is that not coaching? Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I hope it's not. And to verify, uh, no, they did not give up a, no, they gave up three straight the, in the third period to, or in the second period in the middle there. Yeah. But not, not nothing in the first minute though. Is what I'm saying. Right. Exactly. So, yep. Uh, yeah. So they did avoid it there, but yeah, it's just, it's an interesting, it's an interesting trend. And I, I'd be interested to hear a player's reaction to that. Um, next time I'm in the locker room, if this is, if it happens again, I, I will like Philadelphia, for example, I'll be at the Philadelphia game in a couple of weeks in Philadelphia. So that's a good opportunity to ask somebody that question if it's still happening, of course. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a weird thing because on one hand you'd be like, well, the outdoor game makes sense because you know, the, there was a lot of hype in the first period and they did really well. And they go to the locker room and, right. you know, and, and obviously the pomp and circumstance around the game and then the Pecorine night. Same, same kind of makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Cause there's a lot of emotion in the, you know, the game, it's kind of almost like a, like a natural letdown. You get back out there. Okay. You know, let's back to normal. Oh, whoops. You know, uh, but that may be oversimplifying it. And it certainly doesn't explain last night's. <laughs> so, so, um, I, I don't, I don't know, but there's gotta be something to it. Cause it is frequent and it is in this last bit of window. here. I, I think you're right though. There, we need to see it a couple of more times before it becomes a pattern. Um, right yeah. now it's sort of like the beginning of a pattern. It's not there yet, but again, they answered the bell and they came back. And of course, and, and you talked about the secondary guys, the, the move by Alex Carrier to set the edges and cut oh, between my two guys Beautiful. to give Ryan Johansson, just like he lost the puck technically, but it was really an assist for Ryan Johansson um, with under seven minutes to go down one, nothing at home against a division rival. Who's one point ahead of you in the standings, like just an, un, just a critical play by Alex Carrier then, of course, Johansson makes the follow-up play to go to the backhand and, and, and score the goal. Then the entire game changed after that. The crowd oh, the was, pace was totally different. It was uh, it was so much fun. The crowd is back. The, they're, they're just burying Dallas in the zone. And that's where I really loved how John Hines deployed his guys, which was, I'm going to hit you with speed and skill. Then I'm going to come back with the herd. Then I'm going to hit you with speed and skill. Then I'm going to come back with the body blows. I just really like that pattern in a tie game in the last five to seven minutes, that that's a really nice formula for this team. It was pretty great to see how different the game was when they got that goal. Actually, it was honestly it was after Forsberg got leveled from behind. Actually, by Jamie Ben is when actually that changed. But and in the big uh, save by Saros, by the way, right before yeah, yes. Hansen's goal. Yeah, yeah, that great point. Yes, and so it was like okay, it was almost like it woke him up a little bit, and then they they got pissed. And we all know Ryan Johansson plays his best when he's either got something on the line. Or he's pissed off about something. That's just it's just nope. his character makeup. No one likes you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one likes you, so, bro. <laughs> good throwback uh, to the Kessler days. So, it, 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 but but it was tremendous to watch. The it was almost like two completely different games yeah. when that when those series that series of events happened, and then the Preds took it to Dallas. And what do we know about Dallas? We know that they're a suffocating team. You know, the, uh, they, they, they choke the life out of you in the neutral zone. They force you to get turnovers. You got to dump and chase. You got to do all these things. This you wouldn't normally do. Can't carry the puck in. And the press just said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're not, we're not doing that. We're going to, and yeah. they, and they took it to him and it was relentless. And it was, uh, it was great to see if games are already exciting. Preds games are, if they were like that for, I don't know, 40 of the 60 minutes, it would be cannot miss TV. 
because um, it was so great. To- totally agree. Total non sequitur here. Uh, sidebar. Um, I noticed this uh, on the ice, Pecorine night, and I don't know why I didn't mm-hmm. notice it before. They put the shots on the ice during intermission. Yes. Yes. As part of their game ops, brilliant maneuver. I love it. Yes. It, like, because it's one of the hardest things to analytics is almost impossible to track while you're at the game, just in general, unless you're up there in the media with like a laptop and stuff. But if you're there as a fan, it's hard as hell to track a lot of the stats, a lot of the data, high danger chances, things that would, you know, dictate pace of play and all that stuff. You can kind of see with your eyes. You know, hey, the ice is tilted one way or the other, of course. But just just for just for clarity, Braden, you're talking about a map, a shot map, a heat map, yeah. right? On the they, they put yeah. the shot map down on the ice during intermission, yeah. so that if you're there as a fan, you can actually see like, oh, Dallas had four shots in the high slot, high danger chance, you know, in the first period. And I just I just think it's a cool touch that the, again, those types of things make it enjoyable to go to sporting events and yes. where, where college football attendance is way down. You got the Titans fans clamoring for a new stadium. The Predators still are finding new ways to create value to the in-game experience. So I just want to, th- I just, I don't know why that hit me. So end sidebar back to the, <laughs> back to uh, Roman Yossi scoring a goal to, to win the game could not be more important. You already mentioned this, that it happened in regulation because mm-hmm. you take the two full points, Dallas is a limp, like Dallas gets nothing. You jump them in the standings. Now you're basically neck and neck. You won the season series. You're the Preds are 12 and five, 12, five and one in the central division. They've got three with Minnesota, two with St. Louis, Chicago, Arizona, and Colorado. So you still have eight more games in the division, and they have been among the best teams in the central division within the division. And beating Dallas again on, on Tuesday night was another example of that. It was a, it was just so big, and I hate to give this grand stage to a regular season game on a Tuesday night in March before the trade deadline. Like I hate to do that, but it was so big because of everything you just said, and the fact that again they're not only they're not only getting two points ahead in the standings, but they're keeping two points away from Dallas also. And I mean now, and now they're evened up games wise. They both played fifty six games on the season. It's it it truly is a situation for the for the National Predators of they are uh, what's the what's the control phrase? of your own right. destiny. Thank you. Control. They, they, even though they by definition, the, even though by definition, know, destiny is predetermined. Okay. I, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. But they, they so for, <laughs> for for this conversation, they uh, they they control their own destiny because now if they just pace Dallas the rest of the way, they're getting in. End of story. So and and they, and they earned that based on the overtime win or shootout win, I guess, against Dallas the first time, and then now this regulation win this time. So it was just really, really big to have those specific four points. Yep, totally agree. You mentioned the schedule, and you mentioned the games. We will take a look at the Western Conference and all the teams and where the Predators sit, and there's some good news in there, as you just mentioned, uh, when we come back. And, of course, we will talk about the latest with Philip Forsberg, the big weekend of action coming up for the Nashville Predators and the KHL. So we'll do all of that. Yes, it will include Philip Forsberg. Take a deep breath. Just get ready. We're contractually for it. obligated to mention Philip Forsberg. Yep, on we. It's a Jasper's makes us do it. Okay, Jasper's. <laughs> do, they, they said you have to talk about Forsberg every single week. Uh, two weeks before the trade deadline, we got to do it. So we'll do that when we come back. He's Jeremy Gover. I'm Braden Gall. This is the Gold Standard right here on the 440 Sports Network. Gold Standard is a podcast covering the Nashville Predators, which is way ahead of the curve generally on uh, record chasing for the club. And it is, in fact, brought to you by what, Jeremy Gover? Jaspers. The wonderful folks at Jaspers. That's right. It is brought to you by Jaspers. The next evolution of the sports bar. Great happy hour specials for you Nashville Predators fans. They are the best place to watch the Nashville Predators outside of Bridgestone Arena. And it, frankly, will be a lot cheaper if you go to Jaspers because you won't pay for parking and you'll pay $3 for a beer ten dollars for a burger instead of like five hundred dollars for all that stuff to go to the game itself i'm sure sean henry is happy to hear me say all of that um so go to jasper's and uh watch the game home and roads great drink specials there um yeah are, what's your favorite in game not bridgestone specific gover but i have a very specific number one item i purchase at sporting events do you you know it it really depends on where I'm at, to be honest. So when I'm out when I'm out west visiting home in California, I do love me some garlic fries. Is that you a know? normal thing at like 
At Giants games, San Francisco Giants, Giants games. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, it's no, yeah, it's no. So it, it, it just kind of depends on where I'm at, you know. Uh, but I would say if you're all things being equal, kind of across the board, I know I'm going to show up and get X. I would just say barbecue nachos. That would be my go-to. Uh, okay, hang on. First of all, the barbecue nachos on the sweet potato fries at Jasper's are spectacular. So go to Jasper's if you want barbecue. <laughs> you want barbecue nachos. You're telling me you trust an arena, a stadium of some sort to cook barbecue. Look, I'm not a foodie, so, I mean, I love snack and concession and junk food as much as anybody else, if not more so. And so, as long as it tastes good, I don't care. Do you have a death wish? Uh, I mean, you can make an argument. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you could make the case. Uh, I would say the one thing I like to get at, at Bridgestone, specifically, I do like the the grilled cheese uh, location right there. Outside of like oh, that is that, like, that is that is awesome. Like, what is it? One oh one, maybe right there. Like, right when you walk yeah, into the main entrance. Yeah, it's right at, right at the entrance there. Yeah, right where all good. the smokers are, of course. Um, <laughs> the, I like the grilled cheese, but number one food item, no matter where I'm at, because because it's a sealed package. <laughs> okay, I so I know what's inside. Yeah, it doesn't involve cooking meat, so I'm lowering. I'm see what I'm doing here. I'm limiting risk, right? right? Oh, I see what you're doing. I also want something that lasts a long time. So that it keeps me busy for, for like an entire period of hockey or quarter or half or whatever. Cotton candy. <laughs> that, that lasts like 12 <laughs> seconds. Um, I, a bag of peanuts. I, I know they're messy. I know they're going to, they, they cause a lot of, you know, Dude, they're tratinal. like $8 a bag. You can go to Kroger and get them no, for a dollar. They're like four bucks. They're, they're, and that's actually part of the selling point is that they're generally the cheapest thing at Nissan Stadium that <laughs> you can buy. Well, well. So uh, I, I because again I can eat the peanuts all for an for a long period of time. It keeps me okay. gives me something to do while I'm in my seat. I know there's no That's meat fair. being cooked. I I know it's relative. It's not they're not healthy, but they're not unhealthy. It's not no sugar. No, I, I get you. You see what I'm saying? You. Like I I'm the the bag of peanuts. Like I'm talking like the ones you have to crack open the shell and make a huge mess. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. Give me the bag of peanuts for four bucks. Love that. That's my number one go to in a game for sure. Interesting. Okay. And you go with barbecue. Yeah, barbecue nachos. So let's say you. So if you're at like, you're a Blackhawks game in Chicago. You're like, yeah, I trust the Chicago Blackhawks arena to make barbecue for me. You, you mean, trust I, that? I never thought about it before, but I guess I will now. I'm shaming you into not eating barbecue <laughs> at sporting events. You're taking away my one of my true loves, Braden. Hot dog is like as far as I'll go, and even then, I know I'm eating a. a, a a processed dead horse or something, you know, like it's yeah, or or worse, yeah, yeah. Or, or, yeah. <laughs> or worse, just a couple of poodles just hanging out. Uh, all right, we're done with the ad at this point now. Uh, go to Jasper's, uh. free, free parking, great happy hours, great specials, great food, grab and go market after hours, you know, after after work or whatever cocktail hour, go check it out. It's a great place. Go to Jasper's, everybody. All right, Gover, we will get to the Forsberg conversation here momentarily. Just everybody hold your horses. We're going to talk about the trade deadline and Philip Forsberg because we're contractually obligated. We'll look at the next four games coming up in just a second in the KHL story as well, of course, as um, the the horrors that is the Russian invasion of Ukraine now affecting the NHL. but, but let's get to the real quickly, just a glance at the standings, a cap, you know, just sort of a, 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 a time capsule sort of glimpse at this moment, because I think it was important to look at what we've talked all season about Nashville being ahead of all these other teams in games played, not just in the central division, but in the entire Western conference. Well, now you look up and you've got Dallas, St. Louis, Nashville, Minnesota, basically all dead even now in games played. I think, I think uh, Minnesota's played one less game, but basically everyone has played one less. Yeah. 55. Everyone's even. So now we're sort of like all locked in the points per game thing. You don't have to worry about that as much anymore. It's just look scoreboard watching, but also Vegas in the other side, which has taken a tumble in the last couple of weeks, they've played 58 games and they're basically even with the Predators in points. Edmonton's played 57 games, so one more, and they're behind Nashville in points. And Anaheim is well behind Nashville in points, and they've played 59 games. So what that tells me real quickly before we get to Forsberg is you can focus on the Central Division race. There's a chance for this team to work its way up into that 2-3 matchup. And then I'm not as worried, unless someone goes on a total heater, I'm not as worried about the Pacific Division because Nashville, from a points-per-game standpoint, is well ahead of those other teams. The, the, the Kings and Calgary have just turned it on lately, but those other wildcard teams, 
Nashville's got games in hand on those guys, and they're ahead of them in the standings. You got to feel good, sidebar. You got to feel good for Victor Arvidsson because, uh, you know, he didn't want to leave. Uh, they trade him because, well, for reasons. And then <laughs> he goes reasons. to L.A. Well, uh, he goes to L- I don't want to put words in David Hoy's mouth. Uh, he goes to L.A., which is a team that was on the bottom last year, and who pro- they probably thought, most thought, they were going to be on the bottom again this year. And here they are challenging for the Pacific Division title. So good for him that he gets to go to a winner. Uh, second of all, Calgary. Eight, eight, 18 goals, 20 assists. So he's basically yes. Tanner Janot. Right. And uh, <laughs> so, so it works out is what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Calgary, I still believe, is a complete pretender. Oh, uh, really? I, okay. I, I, yeah, I don't buy them at all. Um as being being like a force to be reckoned with, so I hope you're uh, right because I, uh, Nashville I, will play them. <laughs> yeah, I, as I was saying, I, I don't, I, I just don't, I don't think they're scary at all. Uh, Nashville then, will play them twice in the last seven games. And, oh, we're gonna learn a lot for yeah. sure. But yep. uh, I just, as of right now, I just think they're just they've caught lightning in a bottle. So St. Louis and Minnesota are the two, obviously, and Nashville, of course, are the th- are three teams that are kind of battling it out for two and three. You can throw Dallas in there, but like I said, those two wins that Nashville got out of them are big, and so uh, they're not gone by any means, but St. Louis and Minnesota. St. Louis has 71 points now. Minnesota has 69, and Nashville has 68. So nice. Nashville is three points away from the, from the second-place spot that they held for so long, and you know they've got games against St. Louis coming up here pretty soon. So we're going to learn a lot coming down the stretch, but I just I just really like how the schedule is shaked out. Yep. Sh- shaked? Sh- shaking, shaking shook, out for Nashville. Shook, shook out. Shakes is going to shake out. That's how it's going to shake out for Nashville <laughs> because of the, it keeps them engaged. Not that they wouldn't be anyway, but I'm just saying like, these are meaningful games, right? And there's no real cakewalks until you get to roughly Philly. And even that there's only, they only have two kind of uh, games. They can overlook, if you will, uh, twice there's this month. So everything else, they got to be dialed in, ready to go to get these points. Yeah, I saw this in the ESPN Power Rankings, and so I'm going to give them credit for this. But the last seven games of the season for Nashville are going to be St. Louis, Calgary, Tampa, Minnesota, Calgary, Colorado, and then Arizona at the end. So if they need the two points at the end, they may have, they'll have Arizona. But basically, you're talking about right now <laughs> everybody leading a division and a game with Minnesota and St. Louis. The two teams. It's you're a chasing. brutal stretch. If you look at the you go to nationalpredators.com, look at the schedule, just so you can see it if you're a visual person like me. It's a it's a brutal yeah, ending to the season for yeah. sure. But I would also argue that Tampa should have it sewn up by then, so maybe they won't care as much. Colorado will definitely have it sewn up by then, so they, maybe they won't care as much. So they'll be trying to get people healthy, and so you maybe maybe you have some gifts there. But you'd like to be set up. You'd like to set yourself up now so you don't yeah, have to yeah. worry as much about those points coming down the stretch, unless you're just jockeying for position. Because best case scenario for the Preds, honestly, is my opinion, you avoid Colorado, and you're avoiding the Central Division champ. And that's mainly not because again, I told you Calgary is a pretender. I'm not changing my mind on that. What I'm saying is the travel is brutal to Calgary. Yeah, yeah, you okay. don't. It's far. Yeah, and we've been the Preds have been through that before. Yeah. So let's avoid that altogether, and let's stick with St. Louis or Minnesota or Dallas, right? So the best case scenario for Nashville is Colorado has the Central Division. You're battling St. Louis, Minnesota, and Dallas for the second and third spot, and you get either the second or third spot. That's best case scenario because then you avoid the big dogs and you avoid the big travel. It, it does, like to your point, it does set up well because you get five games with Minnesota and St. Louis over the final twenty-six. Two of them will come this weekend. You've got a huge stretch here between now and the next time we, we talk with you guys next week. That's going to decide a whole lot of stuff for this Predators team. And like when we talk next week, going into the trade deadline, two weekends from now, there should be some clarity when you have to play Anaheim, St. Louis, Minnesota, and Pittsburgh over the next week. And, and so that's just the beginning of it. But I agree, it does set up with the, now that everybody's sort of evened out in terms of games played, you have to like where this Predators team is to at least get a somewhat decent matchup in the first round. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Minnesota and St. Louis weekend coming up um, uh, in just a minute. Um, real quickly here, after the San Jose game, the Predators are 19-3 and with the lead after one. They are 23-0-1 and still. When leading after two periods, they have yet to give up a lead a second intermission lead. They're eighth in power play. They're 17th in the penalty kill. So that needs to come up a little bit. They're number two in penalty kill opportunities. So they actually have come back to the pack a little bit in that category. 14th in the league in goals scored and seventh goals against. Obviously a lot of that helped by the 10 to one margin over the last two games for, for the national predators. So, all right. Philip Forsberg, 
David Poyle said on the 1025, the game that basically they're in conversations. He's not trying to trade him. I'm paraphrasing here. He is trying to sign him before the trade deadline and that they're not talking maybe as much as he would hope. Again, that's all paraphrasing what he said. Go listen to the interview. Right. Um, but basically, as, as I've said on this show many, many weeks in a row, the reason he has not resigned is because they have not been close enough. And the fact that David Poyle is acknowledging that they're not talking as much as he would like may also tell you that they're still too far apart. So we've discussed this ad nauseum, but what is the number one thing, Jeremy Gober, that Nashville Predators fans have to know and need to understand about the trade deadline, Philip Forsberg contract negotiation situation? In my opinion, and this may be a little left of center with what you're asking, but I promise I'm not sidestepping anything. The one thing that people need to understand is that it would be a gigantic mistake to keep him but not sign him by the deadline. So, yes, he obviously makes your team better. We've talked about that 100 times over. Philip Forsberg makes your team better. There's no question about that. But do you really feel like you're set up for a Stanley Cup final run this year? That's the question you have to ask yourself. If you feel like you are, then maybe you roll the dice. And another thing I'm worried about, by the way, quick, aside is that David Poyle is not getting any younger. And so, and he's never won a Stanley cup before in all of his, it was 40, 50, whatever it is years as a general <laughs> manager in this league. He's never won a cup before. And so I'm not saying he would jeopardize the organization. I'm not saying that, but you do wonder if maybe he might push a little harder to acquire a Claude Giroux or a Phil Kessel or somebody like that to come in when it really might not matter at all. Right. Anyway, long story short is they have to trade him if he's not signed by the deadline. They have to. It's irresponsible not to because of what you get back. We're not talking about a guy like a Ryan Johansson who's like, oh, yeah, he's having a good year this year. Look what you can get. This is a guy who over and over has proven that he can be a 65, 70-point player, that he can be as creative as the best of them, and who it really is a linchpin in this offense. And so for me, huge mistake. If they don't either re-sign him, and if they can't do that, then they have to trade him for a King's Ransom. They have to do it. So I, I have always been – I've always agreed with you on this. Since the beginning, I've always agreed with you that if you cannot get him re-signed, that you got to trade him. Here's yeah. my question. So I just saw that – we just saw this play out a little bit with the Tennessee Titans, that they did not franchise tag Harold Landry at the deadline, yes. and people thought, oh, that that's a mistake. You're going to let him get to free agency. Well – it, it, it turns out they were only a couple of hours away from getting a deal done. Later, in, later on Tuesday evening, they actually announced that they signed him to a long-term deal. So while the deadline, quote-unquote, came and left for him to be tagged, it's, it's, just, it's certainly a very different situation. I'm just drawing a parallel here. What if they're close? Can you re-sign him three days after the deadline? There's nothing to stop you from doing that, right? No, so, you, it, no you, you could. So, w- w- so I, I agree with you that, that Poyle could be more willing to be risky because he's quote unquote running out of time or whatever you want to, you know, is, is later in his career or whatever. I agree with that. I hope that's not the case. I would hope that he wouldn't do that, but it's possible. I'm curious if, 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 if they can close the gap over the next 10 days and they can get to the point where it's close enough that they don't say, you know what, let's let in good faith, let's keep working on this deal. We don't trade him at the deadline. Like where we could overreact in the moment that they didn't trade him and he hasn't been re-signed, but then like, you know, Thursday, three days later, all of a sudden they announce a contract. I'm just curious, like, you you better be very confident that you're close, but I could see that also happening too, right? It's, it's a scenario we haven't talked a whole lot about, but I want to throw it out there that you could still, in theory, still just keep working on the deal and get him signed before the end of the season. You could, but the issue with that is, you're extending an awful long olive branch to Forsberg's camp because Forsberg holds all the cards, okay? If he goes to market, he will probably get $10 million or more, okay? Now, again, all it takes is one team. I'm not saying he's worth $10 million. I'm just – and to right, the right, Preds, right. he's definitely not worth $10 million. But I'm saying, you know, but on the free open market, I mean, he, dude's going to get $10 million. So he holds all the cards. He wants a no trade, I'm sure, because who doesn't? He wants a no trade. He's probably going to get $10 million or around that. He wants the maximum length. The only thing the Predators have to offer that those teams wouldn't have to offer come July or whenever the actual – with COVID, I forget which day it is. but George uh, July, 
is yeah, George Kittle. Is, uh, is George Kittle. And also uh, the extra the extra year of contract. That's the only thing they can really do. They can make it an eight instead of a seven. That's it. Which we don't and, necessarily want to see anyway. We don't want the right. eight. No, right. So I guess my point is, is that if you're that close, that's a different story. I think everyone, including myself, would come on here, the gold standard or whatever, and be like, it is after the trade deadline, if he wasn't signed or trained, uh, is just black. Like, how can you go down this right, Ryan Suter right. path again? Right. And then two days later, he gets signed. You're like, okay, that's because that's within reason. I have no problem admitting to that ahead of time. And I think it's actually a given. But you're right in the sense that if they're that close, it's fine. My, the foundation, the spirit of my opinion here is that you can't roll the dice with this. Yeah. He offers you too much of a return to just be like, no, we're going to go ahead and keep him and we're going to see what we can do. That is completely irresponsible in my opinion. Again, unless you're so close, but sorry. So to back up real quick on the, on the, how Forsberg has all the cards is the second you let, they may be, his camp may be counting on that. They, that's a whole, that's a strategy that nobody ever talks about is at the table. You're like, okay, well, you know, we'll kind of string them along. Right. You know, whatever. Right. And then the trade deadline comes and goes. And you, oh, well, you know what? You know, all of a sudden we want ten and a half million. And then the Preds are left there. But well, we can't do that. And then they're screwed. So it, they've got, they've got to do something. Unless you know you're close and you have really, really good faith in both parties, you've got to do something one way or the other. Yeah, the, the very few of you listening are going to get this unless you're a, a nerd, a total nerd like me. But it's basically... <laughs> It's basically like a couple of senators guaranteeing they're going to pass Build Back Better and then said, let's pass infrastructure first, and then we'll pass the other one. And then they just never did. <laughs> so, again, if you, well, okay, if you well, understand I'll, I'll that you, uh, reference, good for you. If not, sorry to bring politics into a hockey podcast. You do you do get bonus points for saying that. We can also compare it to Russell, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, right? I mean, let's, let's keep it in the world of sports. So, supposedly, reportedly, the Broncos have been working on a deal for Russell Wilson with Seattle this whole time. And it just so happens to the trigger actually gets to, gets pulled when Aaron Rodgers announces he's going back to Green Bay <laughs> within two yeah, hours. Okay, yeah, okay. So my point is, is that right, right, is, right. is that the Broncos could have felt like, no, no, we're going to string this deal along. They have that's probably true. They have been working on that as 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 a as a possibility. So we're going to string this deal along with Seattle. We're not going to you know pull the trigger unless we have to. Rogers says, I'm going back to Green Bay. And they go, oh, you know what? Let's go ahead and make this happen. It's the same type of thing, but the opposite for Forsberg's camp. They have all the cards, so they don't – as long as they're not stringing Poyle along and doing them dirty, then it's fine if they wait a couple days. But overall, they have to do something. Can what takes place – I tend to agree with you, but can what takes place over the next week, which is a monstrous weekend, three games in four days, Anaheim, St. Louis, Minnesota, two at home – on the road against Minnesota on Sunday, it's an 11.30 puck drop a.m. At, at Bridgestone on Saturday. So hopefully get the kids out there, watch the game. Then Minnesota on Sunday, Anaheim on Thursday, and then Pittsburgh next Tuesday. Could could what takes place in these four games dictate and change the decision-making process for the Predators? If they go 3-0-1 in this stretch and they are clearly sort of starting to cement themselves as a playoff team, they're turning the, the bad month and a half around, and now they're playing really good hockey like – or, or the other way, you go one and three, and you lose to two division opponents, and all of a sudden you're, you know, further down in the wild card. Do, do you think this one week can change what happens on the ice? Change the, the arithmetic for David Poyle and the Predators? I do within the Forsberg conversation. I do in one way, not both. Okay, so let me explain that. So if they go three and one or four and zero oh or whatever, and they cement their and they they further cement their spot as the second or third team in the central division. And it looks more and more like they're going to make the playoffs and all that stuff. I think that's gravy. I think that's wonderful. Obviously that's what they hope happens, but I don't think that moves the needle on Forsberg because as we've talked about on this show is regardless of whether you're in a slide or you're you're on the mountaintop, if your opinion is the same, if your assessment is the same, then you have to go with that. You can't worry about the emotion of either way, but I will say, this is the one side I was going to say <laughs> is if they go oh and four or you know oh three and one or whatever it is some sort of slide with those important matchups right then I think you can get a more clear picture like it's just not going to happen this year or we're so right. we're, now we put ourselves behind the eight ball we're not out of it by any means but we're we put ourselves behind the eight ball it would be better if we traded Forsberg and got King's ransom and then tried to get him in the summer I think that is more likely if the 
four game stint that you're talking about becomes a negative stint. Because then if it's positive, I think it's neutral. Then they would play at Philly on Thursday and then Toronto on Saturday. Yes. So there are six games left before the, the deadline. So a, a one, four, and one record, you got to trade them at that point. Yeah. Right? Like, I it, think it, so. Our argument here is that it pushes you closer to the trade because it means you don't think you can make a deep run this year. Now, if you go five and one in this stretch, and all of a sudden you look up and you're like nine and three in your last 12 going into the deadline, you're probably more likely maybe to give him a few extra hundred thousand dollars to get him signed, right? If you're close. So it does, it's weird because I agree with you that whatever your big picture opinion is of Philip Forsberg and the Nashville Predators long term, you should stick with that regardless of what happens on the ice. But it does feel, I agree with you, that it does feel like if they go on a really bad slide, it sort of solidifies the idea that this is clearly a wild card team that probably doesn't have a deep run in them. And therefore, you are more likely to need to get rid of Forsberg for something in return. So, um, again, that's again, all assuming you cannot get him signed in the next two weeks, which sounds like they're still pretty much far apart on as we speak. Okay, so we've looked at the other games real quickly here to wrap up. The 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 you know, I mentioned politics earlier and joked about it. I, I guess we kind of have to t- <laughs> we kind of have to touch on the, the KHL and the NHL. Basically, the NHL said, again, paraphrasing here as well, just we're cutting all ties with the KHL for now, mm-hmm. while Russia is in, in as as most companies, countries, corporations, people are are severing ties with sort of Russian everything, as they are in Ukraine. This certainly affects the Predators' number one draft pick from last year, and the number one goaltending prospect in the world. Uh, Askarov there is playing in the KHL. I do not like, I think the only message here to folks, because we got a question already on Twitter from, from George about this. And that is what are the, how does this affect his decision? And we don't know, frankly, is, is the short answer. We also don't know where this is going to go. We don't know how long Russia can sustain this or what the future holds for the world economy, the global economy, European economy, the American economy. We don't, we don't have any clue how long any of this is going to go. And I don't think it's as cut and dried as, well, a young player would obviously rather be in the AHL than, but I don't think it's, I I think Americans think that way. But if you are a 18, 19 year old Russian kid and you're going through this tumultuous time, like you might be, but you might want to stay with your family in Russia, right? Like, I don't, I I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's as clear as people on Twitter are making it out. Well, of course it's an easy choice. Get, get up, come over to the AHL and practice with Milwaukee for the next two and a half years to get ready for your NHL career and, and, and leave your, your country as a 18 or 19 year old. I don't know how old he is right now, but he's, he's, he's very young. It's not as clean. He's as 19. Sim- he's 19 right now. He's 19. Like, it's just not as simple as, well, come on, you're mature enough to, to move halfway around the world away from your family. And- no. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think it's as yeah, no, for sure. I don't think it's as cut I, and dry as just oh, America's safer right now. That's automatically the right place to be. That, that's no, it's say. not. Just just like with any priority, it's whatever your top priority is, right? If your top priority, let, let's say I, I don't know his family situation, so please don't quote me on this. I'm just making this scenario. Yeah, I, I don't either. Okay. By the way, we're just right. Of, it just I'm, yeah, just I want to make sure that's very clear because I'm about to throw out some ridiculous scenario, and I, I'm sure it's not true. But just for, just go with me on this. I'm trying to pick an extreme. Okay, if if his dad is no longer with him. Okay, his dad's gone, dead, whatever, and it's just him and his mom. Okay, he might be more prone to stay home in Russia, where it's certainly more comfortable because he can speak the language and all that, right? And be with his mom, take after her, whatever it is. Okay, but if he has both parents and they're both have been thinking about moving to the West for a while, again, I'm trying to pick extremes here. Okay, then of course he may be like, yeah, let's get out of here and go to Milwaukee and we'll learn the language together. And like, you just don't know. It's whatever the priority is of the player and the family so if safety is their number one priority then i would imagine he would want to come to milwaukee and play there if he feels his life is in danger if he does leave right Right. then maybe he doesn't want to come so you can't just make a sweeping generalization that oh well of course come to america because you're right americans would think that because we speak the language, even in Canada, we speak the well, language. Like, you know, like it's, it's, not, it's the easiest thing. Yeah. We're not being invaded. So it's safer. And we think right. it's, it's perfect. It's just, it's not as simple as, oh yeah, just drop everything and move halfway around the world away yeah. from everything that you've ever known. And, and again, we don't even know if you can actually do that either. Like, like, cause what we're, what we're right. saying here is that in theory, a KHL player would have some sort of choice in this and they, and they probably don't. So let, let's just, again, we're sort of just, Somebody asked the question on, on the internet, and so we thought we would give a more nuanced answer than you can get, deliver in 200 characters in a tweet, and, which is, right. 
we we of course all would pick Milwaukee over Russia. <laughs> like of course we would. Right. But we're not a 19-year-old Russian kid. You know? doesn't speak the language, by right. the way. So, That's a big part of this. So you hear all, all, every time. None of them do. Talk, none, of them, none of them do. They, right. They, every they time I talk, like Sweden's, Swedish players are a little bit different. Swiss players are a little bit different because they get taught English in schools. Okay? Finnish. But, yes, they all try right, to yeah, assimilate. But, <laughs> right. But overall, German kids, Russian kids, right? They don't. Don't uh, even try. They, yeah. They, it's it's yeah, yeah, going to a new place anyway is culture shock. Okay, just just that by itself. And then you add, oh, yeah, I can't communicate with anybody on top of that. And I have to then undertake the language and learn the language. That's really tough to do. So, again, it just depends on what the priority is. If Iskarov is trying to be it wants to be safe and that's his number one priority, then maybe he would come to Milwaukee. But if he if he if that's not what it is. If it's comfort in these difficult times, then he'd probably want to stay in Russia. So we don't know. And you can't make a sweeping generalization. I I would also argue, and I don't have any specifics. I don't have any specific personal opinions on Alexander Ovechkin and his relationship with Vladimir Putin. But I also also think now is a time to be more flexible is not the right word. Maybe empathetic is the right word to Alexander Ovechkin. If he decides to triple down and quadruple down and be like, no, Ukraine sucks. Like they're not people. They should all blah, 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 blah. Like if sure we can all then criticize him and say, dude, what the hell are you doing? But Mm -hmm. I I think for your behavior in the past, even if you knew Putin was like raised in this old school KGB and like, he's a terrible guy. Let's just be honest about this. It doesn't mean that Alexander Ovechkin was really studying all that stuff back when he had a relationship with them however many, whatever it was, what is it, a photo op and some other stuff that he had some positive mm-hmm. things to say about him. Like, it clearly was tone deaf and doesn't make sense. But I just I just think that there is space for us to allow Alexander Ovechkin to come to a new opinion, if that makes sense. Does that, does that make I sense? I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. But, I'll, but I'll, I will double down on that and just say that if you are a fan, this has happened, which is unfortunate, which is why I bring it up. If you are a fan at a sporting event and that and the player is and a player is Russian, and you yell at him because of his 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 the, where he's from. His, his roots are in Russia, and so you yell at him because he's Russian. All this ugly stuff. You're part of the problem. Okay, don't. He is playing hockey. What is? Don't be yelling at kids or whatever because they because they come from a certain background. Don't do that. Well, well, right? I think I think it's more. I agree with you. It's more complicated than that because he's like endorsing Putin publicly in the past. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not talking about Ovechkin. I, 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 oh, I tried to change anybody? midstream yeah, and yeah, say yeah. kid. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Okay, sorry, that's sorry, fair. Sorry. That's, no, that's sorry, totally you fair. You just reminded like, me that that is a thing that actually happened. Some junior p- Russian player was at a, a game. He's playing a game and some fans stood up and started taunting right. him with all this. Stuff. I'm right. like, give me a break. Dude, the, the Russian tennis player like walked up to the camera and wrote like, no war, please. So like it's. Yes. It, it, like I, I totally agree with you. Don't don't be the dumb American who just yells things at a, at a Russian player. Just please because don't. They're Russian. Please be smarter than that if you take the time to know if this person is like again if some player is like extremely supportive of vladimir putin invading and destroying ukraine then i'm fine with you yelling at them and right on the that's ice. a totally different <laughs> but but how many of right. those players are there i i haven't seen right one yet i haven't seen thank one you yet. that's that's my point so why yeah. are we assuming right. that <sighs> that player just because his name ends in of or whatever the russian telltale <laughs> mark is that he's that that's it's just ridiculous. Well, Everyone, we're all people, okay. And I have plenty of things that uh, I, okay, I'm a gover, okay. I have plenty of things that my dad my dad has done in his you know when I was when I was like ten or whatever that I would never do now ever. Hmm. Now that's I'd not like, throwing my dad under the bus. I'd I'm just like making to know more I'm, about your dad. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I don't. I don't mean you didn't kill anybody. I'm just saying like, but I'm just saying like, there's a there's behavior. Was he in San Quentin with Johnny Cash no. back in the day? No, 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 <laughs> no. So it's a slippery slope, I guess. But I guess my I was trying to go for a, a comedic example here. But the point is that we have <laughs> these parents and these siblings that were around all the time, right? right and then they do something stupid. And right. then we get labeled like how many times in school? Fine, I'll go this way. In school, how many times? Oh, you're you're Brian's brother. Yeah, right. why do you know that? Right? Like, like that's... We are all our own individual people, and we're yeah. not always proud of people that we're around. So just yeah. chill out, is what on, I'm trying on, to say. On that very light note, folks, we will yes. wrap up the show <laughs> talking about geopolitical concerns in the NHL. What a wonderful time to be alive, Gober. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. 
uh, Forsberg trade talk into Russia Ukraine impact on the NHL. That that where else yes. are you going to get that about the? What a hell of a second segment. Where where are you going to get that in Nashville talking uh, in sports talk? You're sure as hell not going to get it on the radio. That's for damn sure. No, that's that's for damn sure. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, where can people find you, buddy? They can find me at It's Govertime on Twitter. And if your local uh, radio station subscribes to AP Radio and their services, you will hear my work there as well. There you have it. Uh, Special thanks to our great sponsor, Jasper's Free Parking. Great drink specials for Preds Games Home and Road. So make sure you go to Jasper's, everybody. You know the drill. Um, Go hang out with Dead Paquette's menu. It is spectacular. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Check out the YouTube page, all the other shows on on the 440 Sports Network as well. Rate, review, subscribe, all that great stuff at 440 Media on Instagram, at Braden D. Gall on Instagram. Click all the buttons, folks. That's all we ask you to do. Just click all the buttons and then tell people that you've clicked all those buttons. That's that's all we're saying. Go to Jasper's as well. For Jeremy Gover, my name is Braden Gold. This has been the gold standard here on the 440 Sports Network.